finale of Rooting Bowl. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. We have survived season 11. We got through 2011, the fall semester. Somehow, I'm still in one piece. I don't know how. Uh, talking to you, as always, is sports. See you my sports editor, Mitch Fosberg. Let's take a good look here around what's going on with CMU Sports. First things first. Bowl season, officially about to start. CMU got their draw. They will be taking on the Broncos from Boise State. How's Boise State? I don't get that. Idaho's a state, not Boise. Uh, that's going to be set for New Year's Eve at 2 p.m. Unfortunately, it won't be able to be streamed on ESPN or any site like that. Nope, this game is going to take place on Barstool sites, just through their website or through YouTube. So for those who are not... Technologically sound. Um, I mean, we want me to do. I'm sorry. So, um, Christian Brewer and I talk about that just a little bit. Talk about uh, some CMU football too. Or at it. Uh, what's going on else around the schedule? Well, let's start with some women's basketball. Sean Chase and I have a pretty good talk there. Uh, CMU coming off a 59-54 loss at Cincinnati. They're down by 22, and man, they had a great rally. But I think something may have finally clicked for them again. We'll talk with Sean about that. Uh, you can catch them in action. Uh, unfortunately, as this, as this airs, they have just played uh, Oakland University for 11 a.m. tip on a Tuesday. I don't know how they manage that, but good for them. Uh, they will be home on Saturday, December 11th at 1 p.m. against Loyola, Chicago. The Ramblers coming into McGurk Arena. CMU Women's Hoops just finished a three-game road trip. They haven't won yet at home. Let's see if they can win one. It makes this regime just a little bit upset. So also, as we talked the last episode, we talked briefly about Kentucky. That wound up being an 85-57 loss. Um, we did talk about the Xavier game. That wound up being a 78-45 loss. And then we also previewed Western Illinois, uh, Men's Hoops home opener. That was also a 97-70 loss. Men's basketball team now at 1-7 on the year. Ashley Burgess, now you kind of break down the Western Illinois game and the issues that uh, the team had within there. Um, obviously, when you're replacing 12, 12 spots, you're leading scores out with the flu. It's just not going to end well. Unfortunately for the Chippewas, uh, that stays true. Uh, coming up on their schedule, just to make sure I have this right, because I don't want to give you guys the wrong information. Uh, Wednesday, December 8th at 7 p.m., they are back on the road at Youngstown. Okay, seriously, this is ridiculous. It's not a state. <laughs> be Chippewas against the Penguins of Youngtown State, 7 p.m. Can be seen, can be listened to on the CMU Sports Radio Network. And then Saturday, December 11th, rounding up a doubleheader at 4.30, will be a Chippewas men's team taken against University of Illinois, Chicago. It'll be UIC against CMU, 4.30, at McGurk Arena. Be there, or be square, just can't be a triangle. And then finally, CMU Wrestling started their 2021-22 season with a 24-12 win over Ryder. Matt Stencil got his 50th career pen, pin, not pen, that's weird. Um, staff reporter Megan Youngblood makes her, makes her Maroon and Bull debut to talk CMU's win over Ryder. And also just kind of give a little glance into what, into what the Cleveland State Open holds for them on December 11th. But... I'm done rambling, because gosh, my last episode, I want to stop rambling so bad. So, let's start things off with our women's basketball talk with Mr. Sean Chase. Joining me now to talk some CMU women's hoops, the one, the only Mr. Sean Chase. Sean, 
Happy Monday. It's season finale day for Maroon and Bold. How are we feeling? I feel good. I didn't know it was the end of the season, but it's been a fun one. It has been a, a joy for me. It has been, obviously. Uh, last full week of classes. Uh, next week is finals week. I'm not going to drag you guys in and do work. I want you guys, obviously, to work, to work on finals. Uh, I appreciate that. I mean, I, I mean, do appreciate that. I mean, I mean, I made you guys out of the gate. Sign a piece of paper that said, take care of your schoolwork. And so far, you guys all have, so. Hey, that, I, I have stuck to that as hard as I can. Every time I look at my grades, Mitch, I think about the contract that we signed, and I'm like, I, I cannot have Mitch coming back to me like, you're failing, so. I know. So, one big game did happen well, between the last conversations. Uh, they played at Cincinnati. We agreed that, you know, they have to find a way to end, the, end this, this three-game road stretch on a high note. Um, down, leave 22 at yep. one point. Yep. And they come back against Cincinnati, rally within five. Molly Davis uh, catches fire. Uh, we'll talk Molly, but did you obviously come back from 22, make a five-point game at the end? What exactly happened in that game that obviously, look, Molly's Molly. Yes, she sir. caught fire. But outside of Molly, who else stepped up and played big in this comeback attempt? Anika Weeks crashed the glass the way that I like to see because I think that's where a lot of CMU's problems come from when they stop crashing the glass. I think they get they let teams pull ahead. Cincinnati went on a crazy run to close the second half. And then CMU kind of fought back in the third. Davis got hurt. And this is where we saw Tiana Tempe step up. She went three for ten from three, which 30%, the way this team is shot, will take that all day. Like we, I will have that. Jahari Smith, she's been a monster for this team. Didn't have the night she wanted on the glass, but nine points, five boards, an assist. I'll take that, too. It just, we let them get too big of a run. They put up 20 points to two from us. They had 19 to four in the third. Or in the second, sorry, 19-5 in the second. We just, there was nothing we could do to come back. Yeah, but, I mean, obviously, this road trip we talked about, it was tough, it was crucial. You lose by six at Northeastern on the road. You yeah. beat Marist by six in Poughkeepsie. You lose by five to Cincinnati. Obviously, they're no, they're no one here finished proud of but to feel this team made some big strides in this real game. Oh, no doubt. I think they figured out their shooting. I think, I don't know what it was that was hampering this team early on, but they started to shoot out of the slump. And I think ball movement stepped up. Heather Osterley is stressed that they need to make that extra pass. I felt like they were doing it. There were a couple moments where we had shot clock violations. You're going to get that early in the season. But I think as we get into MAC play here coming up soon, this is going to be a team to reckon with, no doubt. You love to see it. So, December 11th, 1 p.m., Emmerich Arena, Loyola Chicago comes to town. I know, I know, I, I know you as a Michigan fan, very, very, very familiar with the, with the Ramblers in Loyola Chicago. Yes, um, obviously, it's going to be the first game of a doubleheader for the men's and women's teams, but what are you expecting on this matchup with Loyola? I'm expecting Loyola to come out and shoot the three ball. They are a 33% three-point shooting team. But something that I don't think is being talked about a lot is that Loyola Chicago has struggled on the road. They're one and three currently. You're coming to McGurk where we haven't won a game yet. We're 0-2. But I think that this place is going to be jumping. If we can get any of the energy that we got when the Michigan women's basketball team came here, I think CMU is going to roll Loyola Chicago, especially... As you said earlier, we'll talk Molly Davis. The way she's shooting right now and the way she's scoring, she could win Mac Player of the Year, in my opinion. 
She honestly could, but honestly, before we get to Molly, the biggest question was, okay, Molly, okay, scratch that, I'll just first. Do you feel Molly has become more comfortable as the number one primary option in this team? Yes, and I think that was her biggest struggle. We had talked about all the players that have left last season going into this year. I don't want to say that the weight of being the number one option was weighing Molly down, but you got to think that there was part of it behind she wouldn't, she would shoot, but she would start to, once she missed two or three, she would let the ball go. She is shooting like Kobe right now. It does not matter. She is carrying the weight of the Black Mamba in my mind, and she is balling. All right, so Anika Weeks has been the, just a brown for other teams in the glass. Yes, sir. She gives me a lot of Tayshawn Prince vibes. Yes, you know sir. what I mean. It's yes, exactly. Sir. Jahari Smith's just senior year. She wants to get, she wants to double-double every game. Obviously, they're gonna, obviously um, it, it seems to me like she's not having much foul trouble. No. Which is honestly makes me so happy to see. Because yeah. I think when you talk about a post player like her, obviously that tends to come up. I think earlier in her career that may have been an issue. But it seems to me she's become a lot more disciplined over time. Yeah, I would agree with that. They had some foul trouble issues against Cincinnati, but I, I'm i not going to say the refs were calling the game crazy because it was insensitive, but it felt like they were calling the game crazy. But of the bigs, Anika Weeks had four. Rachel Luby had four. Jahari finished with three. We can take that. You're going to get those types of plays anywhere where you're stopping a layup or whatever. And like, It never felt like she was taken off the court because of foul trouble, and that's going to help going forward. Yeah, you mentioned some of these uh, other players, too, some of these younger kids. Obviously, Tempe, big game. Oh, yes. But do you feel like this freshman class is starting to get comfortable finally? Oh, yeah, I do. I, and I think that now that you mentioned, as you mentioned, Molly Davis is starting to find her way as the leader of this team. That had to happen before the freshmen could fully incorporate into this style of offense. Yeah. Now that Molly's in there and people are seeing, like, yo, you pass it to Molly. It doesn't matter where she is. She's going to step back and bury that on them. That gives everybody confidence. And Rebecca Gordon specifically, she's been catching minutes off and on, but I feel like she's going to add a lot of presence to that paint. So. Right on. So, obviously, 1 p.m., Lewis, Chicago, December 11th, Emigrant Arena. Pack it if you can. This team's fun to watch. Mr. Chase, any last things we're going to get to talk about this team before we sign off for the end of season 11 of Moon and Bold? Uh, you mentioned it. It's just they're a fun team to watch. I I don't know exactly. I'm not Nostradamus. I can't predict the future. But I feel like once we get into MAC play, things will turn for this team. I really hope we pick up at least one of these two games this week to get a win at home and change the tide in McGurk. But anything can happen. Right on. So, 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 to wrap up the segment, that's been Mr. Sean Chase talking some CB Women's Hoops. Sean, thank you much for your time and enjoy the rest of your week. Thank you. All right. Big thanks to Sean. Really proud of the work he's been able to do this semester. Uh, keep your eyes on him. He's going to be someone who I think can uh, really be a, be a reporter that this uh, publication can be proud of. But in the meantime, let's talk some CMU wrestling. <laughs> So it is our season finale, which means someone needs to make the Maroon and Bold debut. Ladies and gentlemen, now joining us to talk some CMU wrestling, the reporter with the coolest name in CM life. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Miss Megan Youngblood. Megan, welcome to the show. How are we feeling today on this uh, snowy, cold, and dreary Monday? Oh, I'm feeling pretty good. I was a little nervous walking here. thought I was going to fall on some ice again, but, you know, I made it. Without any cuts, scrapes, or bruises, so that's, that's a good start to the day. That's super nice. I didn't slip either when I got some coffee. It was uh, it was not fun, 
watching Pittsburgh rally back to beat Baltimore and just see just ice and sleet coming down with snow. I'm like, good grief. But not very much about Michigan weather. CMU wrestling. Now in Missouri out of the MAC. Maybe it's a chance to make a run. First duel of the year, 24-12 win over Ryder. Uh, just talk to me about this duel. Just um, what what did you see that you liked? What did you see that you know is still kind of work in progress? What I liked was definitely how CMU managed to rally back. They lost their first um the first match or whatever, and um they managed to come back and win the next couple, and they kept that momentum going. And what I really liked seeing for the first time was um all the players getting involved in um whoever was wrestling, you know, giving them tips on what to do. Like you know, you always hear a coach yelling and you hear players or. Whatever, but seeing all the boys get involved and just try to get everyone to that win was pretty cool. I think the most surprising thing to me was uh, Dresden Simon <laughs> coming. He was down six by six, and he came out and won. I was getting nervous for him because he was undefeated, and I was like, oh, my God, I don't want my first time seeing a wrestling match him to go and lose. But he came back, and that crowd went absolutely nuts. The bench went absolutely nuts. It was just – it was my first wrestling for real match in person. It was one of the coolest things I think I've seen in a long time. Yeah, when I started when I started covering CMU wrestling, Dresden was a freshman, as redshirt at the time, started making his way up, second year in, and uh, there's I I always the first time you really got to see Dresden Simon in like an actual like dual meet. That's the first time you got to see Matt Stencil too. Oh yeah, and he pinned someone like a minute and like forty two seconds in, and it was just. I literally like was typing something on my computer, and I look up and all of a sudden he's pinned, and I was like, well, there we go, there we go, that's. Stencil does what Stencil does best. That's absolutely. That's what uh, Andy said when we talked about it, and it was just, it was cool. That it was a lot of good things happened. It was just so cool to see, and like I was in shock the whole time because a lot happened. Yeah, no, Matt Stencil, fiftieth career pin. Just what he does best. Uh, that ties Wimaholic for a third all time program history. We'll see if he climbs the top of the leaderboard. We'll see what happens this year. But uh, coming up next, um, this Saturday, the Cleveland State Open, nine a.m. Um, what are you hoping this uh, this team takes out from road tripping from Mount Pleasant to Cleveland? <laughs> um, I don't know. I think obviously they're gonna try to like do their best and come out with uh, a win. And I think this confidence that from this match, this dual meet, really is gonna set the tone for them. Even uh, Tom Morelli said it that um, not just individually, but for the whole team, the confidence that they hold right now with Simon coming back and winning, Stencil getting a pin, and Brett uh, Fidwa coming back from an injury and winning is really not only huge for their personal confidence, but also for the team's confidence because everyone went crazy. And I think they're going to come out with a good outcome from it. I mean, you have two good wrestlers with Simon and Stencil and all the and um, even Tracy Hubbard's pretty good, but I think they're definitely going to come out with a good, good result. We love to see you. Megan, anything else you want to get off your chest about this team before we sign off on your debut? Just, I'm interested. Like, I came into wrestling knowing absolutely nothing, and now I'm actually a fan of it. And it's crazy that I was able to become a fan of it and just seeing it live and seeing everything that happened. So that's about all I got to say, and thanks for having me. No problem. Let's miss me, Megan Youngblood. Megan, have a great rest of your money there. Have a great rest of your week. Big thanks to Megan Youngblood for making her Maroon Bull debut. No better time to debut than at the very end to get yourself rolling for next season. Next season. Um, again, a lot of reporter I'm really proud to see uh, see where she goes. But uh, let's talk some men's hoops now with Miss Ashley Berkness. All right, wrapping up the season, almost second to last segment. 
You know we gotta talk basketball. We just talked women's hoops. We just talked wrestling. Now let's talk some men's hoops with, uh, I think you know the usual usual suspect by now. It's Miss Ashley Burke. Miss <laughs> Ashley, happy Monday. How are we doing? Pretty good. Good. I know. Uh, I know. Probably waking up till that sleet and snow. Probably uh, not a great best way to start the day. Yeah. And no, it wasn't. But uh, let's talk some semi uh, men's hoops here. Two games uh, since we last talked. Uh, the Kentucky game, I think. We heard Ira broke down. Kind of, it's weird with the scheduling how that worked. But yeah. Kentucky eighty five fifty seven loss. Xavier seventy forty five loss. Yesterday Western Illinois mm-hmm. ninety seven seventy loss. Let's start with Xavier. Yeah. What happened there? I didn't get to watch much, but from what I did watch, I think it's just the same things. It's like turnovers. You're giving them easy points. I think that's not, it's not helping at all. Yeah. And then uh, Western Illinois, both watched that. Um, <laughs> you know, when Central, when Central has their backs, has their backs against the wall defensively, they switched to zone. And unfortunately, just the way Western Illinois shoots from three, that oh doesn't, that work. Um, yeah, Western Illinois in the first half, uh, 11 to 16 from three, forced 15 turnovers, uh, Central Michigan commits 19 personal fouls. Yeah. Western Illinois goes 14 of 18 in the free throw line in the first half. Just, is, is it evident now that this team chemistry is holding this team back? I think so, yeah. It's, I mean, which is expected. I mean, it's a new team, you know. It's not going to happen right away, but I, yeah. It's just, it's weird because, like, it's two years in a row now where you have massive roster overhauls. Like last yeah. year's team had like six, seven, eight new faces. Mm-hmm. This one has 12. No Jermaine Jackson Jr. The league square at 11-7. Yeah. Um, out with the flu. Then mm-hmm. just West Illinois jumped early, and they never looked back. Yeah. They got out and scored the game's, game's first 10 points. And then they capitalized on all those turnovers and all the personal fouls. They just It just seemed one-sided for the first half so badly, but something clicked in that second half. Yeah. I mean, they were down by, what, 42 one point, and they may end up making a 27-point game. I mean, yeah, you still got your doors blown off. But I think second half, I think maybe, just maybe, you start to see this tide turn ever so slightly. Yeah, and I think we've seen that with majority of these games, that it's a different team in the second half, and they need to – they're a second-half, like, team, I think, and it's not going to help them win any games. So the two games we left talking, and then I kind of wrap in the sunset here. I'm not going to cry right now about that. Um, Youngstown State, December 8th. Uh, the Penguins. Love that mascot for the state of Ohio. We have so- <laughs> That's the one cool thing about Ohio outside the Hall of Fame. It's Steubenville, Ohio, which my grandpa's from. I'll get that down. Shout out. But then home on December 11th against University of Illinois, Chicago. Yep. So Youngstown State, Chippewas, Penguins, really weird matchup. But Central Michigan – you get a win against the Penguins if. If they, I think if they take what they're doing in the second half, because what they're doing in the second half is it's working, you know. They're holding the team to limited points, you know. I think they need to take that and work together, you know, team chemistry. They need to work together, you know. Bring it into the first half and start, come out doing that right away and then continue it through the whole game. All right, same question, but for UIC. I think the same thing. I think they just need to, hopefully they'll be coming off a win from going to Youngstown, and I think they'll be 
kind of on that high and then just take it and work together again and use this, the things that they're doing in the second half and play the whole game with it. I agree with you. I see that um, maybe maybe if they can figure out a way to cut back on those first half turnovers and those Absolutely. mistakes. It just seemed like, okay, they're, they're, the rats got thrown against the wall and there's so many graduates and junior, graduate students, mm-hmm. juniors, seniors, they're all trying to figure out play with each other, and they're just trying to do too much. Yeah. Like, the ball movement seems fine until there's just that one extra pass that probably isn't needed. Mm-hmm. And then it's a turnover, transition points. You get a layup, they get a three, or they're going to free throw line. It just, it just seems like when the turnovers happen, defensively, they, they're panicking in transition. Oh, yeah. It's just they got to find a way to, you know, A, limit turnovers. You can't have 15 turnovers and a half and expect <laughs> to be competitive in any level of basketball. Yeah. But also just, they got to find a way to the, stay calm in transition. Yeah. Those are the two big keys. So just, you got to build off the chemistry, and you got to find a way to, to perform better transition. Mm-hmm. Like Barbie said, offense, uh, offense they'll figure out, but defense, you know, that's going to be their calling card. And, you know, there are times where you see it. Like, mm-hmm. they transition beautifully, they rotate around nicely. Yeah. It's just that one extra pass, or just doing a little too much, and it just goes downhill. So, you know, those are just the two big keys. But, I mean, they have a talent, I think, to... Oh, yeah, for sure. They have a talent, I think, to push for an 8 or 7 spot in the MAC. Whether or not it becomes a cohesive unit or not. Mm-hmm. By the time MAC play rolls around. Because, look, you get Zag against Kentucky's Xavier's. Like, those teams you won't see again. No. Unless somehow you get a postseason game, which I doubt they'll get a tournament this year. But when you get the beef, beef, the beef of the MAC, eh, meat of the MAC, whatever, when you're playing, you know, the Akron's, the NIU's, the Bowling Green's, the Eastern's, the Western Michigan's, the Toledo's, like, yes, you're self to compete, but, you know, you're not seeing, like, the Chet Holmgren's of the NCAA. You're just kind of seeing more of more MAC talent. But before we sign off for the your segment of the season finale of Marina Bowl, any last things you want to get out of your chest? Nope. Gonna keep, gonna keep it quiet. Gonna keep it to yourself. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of, lot of pressure. Put me on the spot like that. Well, I, well, well, well. I mean, it's it's like what your tenth episode. You should be used to pressure, right? I know. <laughs> I'm not. All right, right on. Well, Ashley, thanks for joining us, and uh, thank you much. Thank you. Big thanks to Ashley for coming on. Uh, man, you want to talk about someone who came off probably a little shy, a little timid, and now they're uh, kind of where they're at now. Uh, really proud of the work she's able to put in this semester. Uh, Again, it's, she would be somebody that I think could make this publication very proud. So, uh, yep, uh, kudos to, uh, to Ashley and see where she goes. But let's finish things off now, talk some CMU football. All right, per usual, we'll be on the show talking football. And, of course, joining me now, well, I think you know who it is. If not, I think we're on a rock of the show all season long. But joining me is Mr. Christian Brewer. Christian. We're getting the home stretch here, and I use Matt Champs. I have a bowl game set. But first of all, how you doing, man? How's your Monday going? I'm doing all right, man. I'm tired. I'm going to be honest with you. School's kind of catching up to me, and um, I'm just a little bit worn out. But, hey, survive in advance, I guess, right? Absolutely. So, <clears throat> CMU final their bowl fate on Sunday. The Barstool Arizona Bowl against Boise. They are not a freaking state. Chippewas and Broncos. Uh, where, ooh, where have we heard that one before? December 31st, uh, 2 o'clock Eastern, 
noon mountain time. Uh, can be shown, but you through barstool sites, not yep. ESPN or anything. Yeah, they're they're different socials like YouTube, Twitter, their website, that kind of stuff. So is it kind of weird that CMU except except at the bowl game that wasn't going to be shown on ESPN? Yeah, it really was a little bit weird. Uh, I mean, I think it goes both ways. I think that not having it on traditional TV is going to hurt them, but um, I think. You know, my general impression is that there's a lot of guys on the team who maybe want to pursue a career similar to what Barstool offers. And, heck, being down there for, what, a week, get a chance to network a little bit. I mean, who knows what this could turn out to be. So um, I think there are some advantage, advantages and some disadvantages, but you you can't really argue with the numbers. And Barstool is one of the top sports media companies in the country. And being able to be exposed to that platform, I think, is going to be huge. Just because it's not on TV don't mean people aren't going to watch it. True. But it still kind of handcuffs some CMU fans. Because yeah. obviously some fans here uh, aren't quite used to the wide World Wide Web like my old man is, unfortunately. But yeah. tell me about Boise State a little bit. I saw I got to see him play in Wyoming last year in a snow game. Uh, obviously the eligibility waiver did its thing. But what's yes. your first impression on uh, the orange and blue? Um, you know, kind of a down year by their standards. Obviously, a really big um, group of five powerhouse traditionally. Um, they got a pretty solid quarterback in Hank Bachmeyer. Um, he's thrown for over 3,000 yards, so it's going to be a test for that secondary. Wait, what was his touchdown-interception ratio? Touchdown-interception ratio was 20 to 8. It's not bad. Going to be a solid. I think it's a good matchup. I thought I saw somewhere, um, and I can double-check this. It looked like Boise State was a 9.5-point favorite. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that, where that goes, obviously a long way to go, uh, before anything is super finalized, but yeah, it looked like, um, 10 and a half for Boise State, so. So you're telling me the Chippewas are favored by 10 and a half to the Broncos again? Because <laughs> yeah. we also happened last time in Kalamazoo, Boy, uh, West Michigan after an early start, and then, uh, Central Michigan supposed as well, but I gotta ask you too, it looks like. I think all six teams in the MAC West got a bowl game. It looks like the two teams in the MAC East got a bowl game. Uh, I think it's apparent now the West was way more balanced than the East was. Yeah, it was. Like, my goodness. But uh, what's your expectations for this bowl game, though? Um, I think it all starts and ends with Blue Nichols. I mean, if they're able to get the run game going, then it'll be a good afternoon, I think, for CMU. But at the end of the day, I I have a hard time believing that they won't. I I don't expect anybody to sit out. I mean, you can make a case for Bernard Raymond to maybe decide, hey, let's just focus on the NFL, but I don't think he'll do that. I think that they should go into this one with full strength, and uh, that'll be big because the Chippewas are going to need everybody. And uh, We'll see. I think 10.5 is way too much. I think so, too, but I think this is this is huge for these six-year senior group, like, like Gwelly, for Hunter Buchkowski, for Gage Kresge, those Bobby kind of guys. Boy, yeah. Like, those guys are still sixth-year seniors, which is still weird to say. But yeah. it's a big one for them because it's their last time ever put on that jersey. Yep. So we'll see how it goes exciting times. But, uh, yeah, not a whole lot of football spiel to talk here. Uh, I know you got a chance to talk to Jim McElwain yesterday. I mean, what was his thoughts on the whole game? Yeah, his thoughts were – that's kind of where I got my impression of um, the networking. He, he sounded like it was going to be a great opportunity – Obviously, Barstool's going into this hand over fist. I mean, they're throwing everything out there for this one. Uh, looks like they're going to have the singer of Creed do the halftime show. Can you take me yeah. high? Yeah. 
Yeah, that... yeah I can't wait for that. Yeah, um... There's that, there's... Well, they have so much going. They have a golf scramble day before. They got a whole tailgate thing. Trivia live show. Like, they got that, and they got, they got a taco. They got, like, a thing in downtown Tucson for New Year's Eve. Like. And they have a former Chippewa, Mr. Castellani. That's Shout right. out Chris Castellani. I don't know if you listen to this, but... Oh, I, I know. I know who, who, oh, yeah. Big, big Samuel alone. Big yep. fan of him and the work he's done so far, but... Yeah, no, he's awesome. But man, um, anything else you want to give about off your chest with this team before we uh, sign off? No, but it's been a really good year. Four straight wins, looking to make it five and, and get to nine wins. I think that would be huge. Yep. So this wraps up uh, season eleven of Maroon and Bold. Uh, this is also my last episode um, as sports editor here, grabbing the reins. Uh, it was a long, thorough process with a bunch of candidates. We think we had. Oh, actually, no. I'll be honest. We have one that flied. And he's sitting across me, he talks about me every week, it's Mr. Christian Bohr. So, this is my last episode, my last week or so with Central Michigan Life. I'm moving on to bigger and better things, where that leads me. I don't know, I had an interview with a potential employer last week. We'll see how it goes, I'm not going to name any names or where it is. Uh, but if it does come to fruition, you'll see on my social media platforms. But, no, it's, it's been fun yeah. doing all this. And uh, if I can't bear me too long, I'm going to cry on a podcast, and I don't. I'm an ugly crier, especially when it's the sounds. But no, um, thank you much for letting me uh, let me do my thing for as long as I did. Yeah, uh, it's been a lot of fun doing this, working with uh, incredible people we have. Obviously, Christian, I guess is I guess is one of those incredible people. But you know, but uh, talking with Sean Chase, with Ashley, with Megan, with Noah, with the whole game we've had here at uh, the sports desk this semester, it's been uh, it's been a dream. And I don't want to wake up. But, you know, uh, that's that's just one thing about dreams, you know. There's all the awesome living, but one day you just got to wake up. And, uh, yep, I'm probably about a week, probably a couple weeks from actually waking up once this bowl game ends. I think I'm going to be heading down there for that, fortunately. But, uh, no, we'll see how it goes. But, uh, Christian, anything else you want to add before uh, we sign off for the season? No, sir, just been a pleasure working with you. Likewise, my, my friend. So, for all of us here at Sunshine Michigan Sports Desk, for Megan Young, for Ashley Perkins, for Sean Chase, I guess also for Christian Boer, I'm sports. No, I'm sports editor Mitch Fosberg. Chippewa fans, be safe.